You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. John chapter number 18 is where we'll start. We'll read down through, through chapter 19. I normally don't read a lot of text, but I'm cutting right in the middle of this story anyway. This week, all week long, this has been on my mind. I've preached from this text before, but it's been on my mind. It's such a real situation. And today, I, I feel like, uh, as a preacher, as a minister, we got to be real with people. And this morning, I'm going to try to just lay it out and just be real. I'm transparent. I've got nothing to hide. And so, I uh, just want to be plain with you today in this text here surely opens us up. I do want to tell you this morning as you're getting there, John chapter 18, starting in verse number 38, that I'll be preaching tonight also. I don't often preach both services, but I just feel led of the Lord to preach tonight also, and so I hope that you're able to come back and going to try to encourage you this evening also. John chapter 18, if you don't have your Bible, please look along with us. It's important that you see the text today. And the Bible says, Pilate said unto him, what is truth? What a question. What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all, but you have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put him in a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid. I don't have a specific text that I want to go back to. There's a thought that's been in my spirit, and it's in my heart heavily this morning, and simply this, the struggle of Pilate, the struggle of Pilate. Anybody ever experienced a struggle in their heart? The struggle of Pilate. Well, I feel the presence of the Lord. Will you bow your head, and will you help me pray? Father, I love you today. I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we depend on to rightly divide this great word of truth. I'm so grateful, God, for every individual that's here, God, every heart, every family that's represented. I'm asking you, Lord, to open our ears that we may hear, our hearts, God, that we may surrender and we may receive. And, Lord, anoint me, God, to rightly divide, to deliver your word of truth. The task before me is greater than I am, Lord, but I know that with your help, God, Lord, that your work will be done. And I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. As I begin today, I want to begin with this statement. It's vital to me that whether it is me or another 
person that's preaching, even if it's not one of these men, if it's somebody else somewhere that I go, it becomes more important to me, no matter who I listen to, to preach or to teach, that that individual will be real to me and will take the Word of God and relate it to my individual life. Now, I don't want to be unkind, but I want to pick on my own kind in regards to preachers or pastors. But I have seen in my life where a preacher or pastor or a teacher had in their self had put themselves in a place or a position where it seemed like they were so far above everybody that they tried to convince everybody, well, you just need to be like me. Or put them in a place where they're so holy that they can't be touched with the troubles and trials of this world. The troubles and trials that's going on in our own heart. We all have our own things going on in our own heart. Well, I want to tell you this morning, I, I have some visitors here and I feel it's needful to say this. And I'm not that man. I'm not the guy that is up, up above you. I'm not the preacher that's got it all together. Maybe your time to exit, but I want you to know this morning that I've got some things in my life that still needs to be changed. I'm not arrived this morning. I'm not perfect this morning. I've still got to find myself consistently finding myself asking the Lord to forgive me because I've done wrong. I'm preaching good. I want you to know this morning that I'm in this with you. I'm not above you. I'm not got it all together. I still need help. And I still need the working of the Holy Spirit to change some things in my heart. And I'm going to go ahead and put you in there with me. Every single one of us has got things in our life that needs to be changed. And until the day that the Lord calls us home, He will not be through changing you and altering your heart. Because the Apostle Paul was right when he says, The heart is exceedingly wicked before man. Who can know it but before the Lord? Paul was right when he said, I know that within me, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. I still need the help of God. I still need the grace of God. And without the help of the Holy Spirit, let's just be honest this morning, we are all a lost case. We are all a mess. We are all helpless. And we are all living a life of void. But I also come to tell you that you don't got to remain that way. You can be changed. You can be altered. Your desires in your heart can begin to change to the desires of God. The grace of God is sufficient. The Lord is faithful to help those that will allow Him to. We don't have to remain in the situation that we're in. We'll never be perfect, but we ought to be being changed this morning. It's definitely a time for a preacher to be real because we all... We all, I'm not dealing with robots this morning. I'm dealing with people with real life situations. And situations that, uh, where we experience great trouble. I'm dealing with real people and I'm dealing with real uh, situations. And so I believe that the Bible addresses even the hard areas of our life. So today, this morning and tonight, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be, I intend to be real. I intend to be transparent. But I also to, uh, to intend to point you to the solution of no matter what's going on in your life, which is Jesus Christ. Well, we expected to hear that. Well, you know how to let him work in your life, though. Everybody knows the answer is Jesus, but very few know how to let him work in their life Monday through Saturday. When we're not at church, we're quiet this morning. I hope I hadn't lost you already because i got a long way to go. 
but very few know how to let him work in their life and how to be changed. And so this morning, this evening, we're going to deal with the solution of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to try to encourage you. I'm going to try to edify, edify your faith, build up your faith in Christ and what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. I want to look this morning at the struggle of a man who was in charge, a man by the name of Pilate. He's the man that we all know and we have associated with him by him allowing or him permitting the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now whether it was Pilate or another man, we know that it was going to happen because the fulfillment of all scripture, Jesus could not just come and live on this earth. He had to go to the cross and he had to lay his life down. He had to die so that the sacrifice was complete. If his blood was never shed, if he would have never died, even if he would have came for the 33 and a half years that he came, if he would have never laid his life down and gave his life as the ultimate sacrifice, our sins, there's no way that the sins of the world could ever be taken away. But I want you to know this morning that he didn't just come. He wasn't just crucified. He laid his life down. He shed his blood so that the sins of the world not could just be covered. John introduced him as, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He didn't come just to put a band-aid on. He came to take away our sins so that we would stand justified, not guilty before God the Father. I want you to know this morning, that's the greatest miracle that could ever happen. Because I know in my own mind, in my own heart, I know where I've been. I know what I've done. I know that I'm guilty. And for the God that is the creator of the universe to be able to look at Steve because of my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary and declare me not guilty. Oh, it makes me want to shout. It makes me want to sing because I have received eternal life, something I can never earn, something I can never merit in my life. It's a miracle and it's available to everybody that will believe upon Jesus. Let's look at this morning the struggle of Pilate. To just read the text, and I'll start out this way. Without a lot of research of the life of Pilate, of anything about his life, It'd be easy to miss some things. It would be easy to miss the reason for his struggle. Why is a man that is in charge, that has the authority to do anything that he desires with the life of Christ, why is he having such a struggle here? Why is it that he's arguing with those that want to put him to death? Why does he go back and forth? He has the power to crucify is what he told Christ. He, and and with, in re, regards to the life of Christ, he had no power at all except for what Jesus had. But if we put Jesus aside, anybody else that stood before him, he had the power to do whatever he decided. And whatever he commanded, whatever he declared, must have been carried out by those that were under him. He had that much authority. Why was he struggling? Why had, did he have such a struggle? The life of Pilate, it would be easy to miss, but when we look in the history, sure you could catch the implication that in the text that it's deeper than just that. Pilate comes onto the scene here except for the Gospel of Luke. Luke brings him in in chapter number 13 just to tell us a little bit about him, but as far as John's Gospel, he comes into the text right here in chapter number 18. His earthly judgment of Christ would be the first task that we would read about and that we would learn about. But if we look at a little history, we learn that Pilate 
didn't, he wasn't just here to judge Christ, but he had a great, greater struggle going on than what we read about. See, Pilate was, even though he was a ruler, even though he was in charge, he wasn't a very good ruler. He wasn't a very good man that was put in charge. Pilate was a man that the Roman, uh, those that were over him, were looking at and inspecting his life very carefully. In fact, Pilate was in danger of losing his judgment seat and being cast out as just a regular member of society and never again be in the place of judgment again. His position was on the rocks. It was in limbo. And let me tell you something. You don't want to be in a place that you have made the judgment over somebody's life and then all of a sudden be thrown into their, onto their level playing ground. That's why it's so hard, and I've heard it told before. You don't want, as somebody is a cop or a judge, and they've held to the law, they don't want to be thrown in prison with those that they had condemned. And for a man who, Pilate, who had condemned those, he didn't want to be taken off of his judgment seat. He was having a great struggle. So listen to what I'm about to say. He was struggling between what the people desired and what he knew was right deep down in his heart. Oh, that was good, Brother Matt. He was struggling. I can relate to this. I'm not going to put you in there with me. It's between you and the Lord, but I can relate to this. I have struggled between what I knew what was right and what I knew that everybody else was pulling me toward. And Pilate stood in a place where he was able to make a call of judgment. And he was in a struggle that was deeper than what we read about. Do I... Go with what the people are saying, Brother Charles, or do. I go with what I know is right. Another gospel would even say that his wife told him, you can't condemn this man. You can't condemn this man. There's no fault in him. Pilate would record right here three times that he told the people, I'm not finding no fault in him. I find no fault in this man. They said, we want death. Crucify him. I don't find any fault. Crucify him. I'll scourge him. No, crucify him. How about I put a purple robe on him because we'll mock him because he says he's the king of the Jews. No, crucify him. I tell you what, you can eat him with your open hand. No, sir, we want him crucified. He struggled. And he did everything he could to get out of the struggle. Pilate here was in a great struggle. And I want to tell you this today as we're being real and we're just being transparent. I know as, and I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not because I don't do that, but I know as a pastor that has had phone calls that'll make my mouth, my jaw drop because I had no idea that somebody was dealing with situations or going through circumstances that they're going through. You probably never know how dark it is until it's too late. And if somebody really shares with you what kind of trial they're going through, let me tell you something. It's 10 times worse than what they've told you. But as a pastor, as a man that people have trusted, that I've got phone calls right out of the blue, I, I just, uh, just off guard, uh, and people begin to share different situations with me. I want you to know this morning, as we can read about Pilate and the surface of Pilate and not realize the, the extent of the struggle that he's going through, you encounter people every single day that is going through a great struggle, and we have no idea what they're going through. 
We run into people, whether it's a store or Walmart on the farm, wherever it is, we run into people that are broken and you'll never know they're broken because they put a smile on and they act like everything's together. We run through into people that are about to lose their family, that are in danger of losing their children. We run into people that are so depressed, they're thinking about suicide. Run into people whose life is shattered and we never even realize it until it's too late. I'm talking about real life. I'm talking about real life this morning. Pilate was going through a struggle, and we don't read about how deep it is unless we look at his life, and we're not reading about how bad it is even in the history, and we run into people every single day that are having a great struggle that just walked out of the doctor's office. (laughs) That's keeping something hid, and we have no idea what they're going through. I'm talking about people that are dealing with, with, with somebody that is about to break, somebody that's about to run, somebody that's in a great bondage, somebody that's about to throw the towel in and give up and quit, and we never even knew it. Struggles are real. Struggles of life are real. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm trying to be real and plain. The enemy has a way of singling us out. Attacking the mind, attacking the heart, and filling us with lies. And you know what happens? We start to believe the lies of the enemy. And then he starts to make us feel like we're all alone and nobody has a clue what I'm going through. And so I keep myself shut up and I'm so embarrassed I don't even go to the Lord. Because God forbid that I tell God that I've got some problems going on because I might catch God off guard. God forbid I tell God my family is broke. My marriage ain't right, because I might catch God off guard. I tell him something he didn't know, filling us with lies. And I want you to know, I don't mean this in a bad way, but if you're the one going through a struggle, if you're the one that is about to break this morning, I will not make light of your situation. I will not make light of your struggle. I'm not in your shoes. I've had my own struggles. I've had my own trials. I've been in a place where I didn't want to work. I didn't want to do anything but lay face first on the carpet and cry me a river, load my horse and head to the mountains of somebody that didn't know me and forget everything that I ever knew about my life. I've been there. I know what depression is. I know what it is to not want to eat or not want to sleep or not want to work, and that's big for me. I know what it is to not even want to ride a horse or or to be about my daily activities. Uh, I know what it is to not even want to pray. Oh my goodness, you said that? I know what it is to not even want to pray. Some life struggles are real. Come on, are we being plain yet? Because I can dig a little deeper and I probably will. But I come to tell you this morning <laughs> that if you hold to Christ, I'm not saying this as some kind of empty encouragement that I ain't got nothing else to tell you. I'm telling you this as a truth. If you'll hold on to faith in Jesus and what He did for you on the cross of Calvary, the storm will pass. The heart will heal. 
The marriage will continue to go on. I'm not giving you false hope. I'm telling you that if you'll hold the Christ, let come what may. Whatever happens will happen. But you will be better in the end. Be ye steadfast. Be unmovable. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hold to Christ through the midst of the struggle. Hold to Jesus. Pilate's first struggle that we read about in regards, not just knowing he has a struggle. His first struggle is this, and I bet it's something that we could relate to this morning. I've already mentioned it, but I want to bring it out in the text. Do I give in to the crowd? Listen, teenagers, I'm not leaving you out this morning. Do I give in to the crowd? Do I give in to the world? Or do I follow in my heart what I know is right? I know you know the right thing to do. I also come to tell you this morning that I'm not making light of your struggle. I've had people, <laughs> I hope this is okay. Well, just, you know, you just do it. <laughs> well, when your heart, the core of a man is being truly pulled and pulled and pulled, just doing it is not that easy. To look at a drug addict that's got drugs in their system, just using this by example, that is being pulled from their innermost person and telling them, well, you just need to lay it down and quit. I want you to know this morning that's not possible. Well, I know people that's quit cold turkey. Look, I'm not going to put God in a box, Brother Wes. God can do anything. But for the majority, you can't just quit and walk away. It's a struggle. And unless we know how to let Jesus work in our heart, if you've suffered great loss and your heart is broken and somebody walks up to you and says, just get over it, then that, you'll want to take them out behind the woodshed and tell them, I'll, I'll just get over it. You don't know what you're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. Unless they've experienced what you've experienced, I've got no right to tell you I know what you're going through. But I can tell you this. Jesus does know what you're going through, and he paid a great price, not for you to be miserable, not for you to cope, not for you to get by, but that you would be healed, delivered, and set free today. He paid the price for it. Do I give in to the crowd, the world, or do I hold to what I know is right? Because Pilate's response was, I find no fault in him. Listen, when they first come to Jesus, we're going to read about it. We brought him to you. What's he done? I don't know. He's a malefactor. We wouldn't have brought him to you. He's a man. We brought him to you. Well, I mean, I don't find any fault in him. Well, we want death. What do you mean you want death? Yeah, we want death. I don't find no fault in him. We want blood. We want death. Well, I'll, I'll scourge him. I'll beat him. No, we want death. Nothing would satisfy except for death. He was torn. I want you to look at chapter 18, verses 37 through 38 with me. We're going to bring it up on the screen so you don't have to turn there. Here's another great struggle here. Watch, Pilate therefore said unto him, Are you the king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest I'm a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world 
that I, share, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Verse 38, watch this. Very important that you get this. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find no fault in him. Now in John's gospel, he emphasized on Jesus as the Lamb of God, and he emphasized on the coming of the Holy Spirit. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they emphasized on the works of Christ. But John was different. And because John was different, he mentions the word truth 22 times in his gospel, second only to the book of Psalms. that has so many more, 150 chapters in it. But John, in his short epistle, his gospel, he mentions truth 22 times. Because if he's going to emphasize the Son of God, you can't talk about Jesus without talking about truth. you got to emphasize truth. I want you to see the action of Pilate here. Watch this. He's talking to Jesus. Jesus says, I'm here to bear witness of the truth. And everyone that knows the truth hears my voice. And Pilate looks at him and asks him a question. I preached this text before. He says, what is truth? What is truth? But he never gave him a chance to answer. What is truth? Go back to verse 39, please. He says, what is truth? When he had said this, he went out again to the Jews, immediately walking out back to the Jews. And Jesus never got a chance to answer. There's a struggle. The struggle of Pilate. See, here's the struggle. Does people really want to know the truth? Do we really want to know the truth? The truth is a man, Jesus. But do we really want to know Jesus? Do we really want to know the truth? Pilate wanted to know, but nah, he really didn't want to know. While I'm being plain with you, I'll just go ahead and be plain. In 2006, this church voted us in as pastors. This last May was 15 years. We've had the privilege of being pastors of the best church in the world. Thought I'd get a couple of amens there. I'm going to pull some members off of membership. But 2006, that was May the 14th. By that fall, told this before, but I got to bring it out again. I thought it was pretty cool at first, kind of neat at first. But by that fall, when I got into the Word a little more and I was preaching and started to deal a little bit with real life situations, the pressure of pastoring a church began to hit me. And Jeremiah, man, Jeremiah, he began to tell me through his Word, his, his book, the blood of them people is going to be on your hands. Jeremiah was saying, woe to the pastors. Woe to the pastors that scattered my flock. The pastors that were preaching all kinds of different things. Woe to them. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet because all of the years he preached to Israel, not one person repented. But yet he kept on preaching. <laughs> oh, to have the, the desire as Jeremiah to keep on preaching whether the people respond or not. Just keep on preaching because that's what the Lord told him to do. And I felt the pressure 
of all of this. Me and Sister Becky has had talks. Are we done? We want to quit. We want to go on. Let's go do something different. I don't know if I want this responsibility. We've sat at the kitchen table. We've sat in the living room floor and said, and made other plans. When I got by myself, the Lord said, I've made your plans. I've made your plans. And we go back and begin to talk, and neither one of us could just throw in the towel and quit. But the responsibility and the weight was there. Listen to what I'm about to say. On every corner, there's a church. I don't mean it unkind, and I don't mean it in a, 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 a wrong way, but listen, I'm going to pick on mine first. There was the Pentecostal church. I was raised up in a Pentecostal church. There's the Baptist church. There's the Methodist church. There's the Catholic church. There's the Church of Christ, the Presbyterian, the Seventh-day, and we go on and on and on. How do we know who's right and who's wrong? How do we know what doctrine is right? Do you know the majority of the church world today is not concerned about truth because they're not concerned about who's right. They just go with however they were raised or however they believe. I'm not that guy. I'm not preaching what I was brought up in. I'm not, I thank God for my raising. I thank God for my Pentecost background. I thank God I sat under the, in the best churches, under the best pastors, and I lived in the best home that was ever created. But I knew nothing about grace, the help of the Holy Spirit. I grew up thinking if you messed up, God erased your name and throwed you away. Like God is a big God sitting there ready to judgment and looking for a chance. He's sitting here waiting. If you do one thing wrong, I'm about to erase your name and you're doomed forever. That's how I grew up. I grew up in fear thinking, I wonder what happened to my parents or my, uh, somebody that I knew. I wonder if they had sin in their heart before they died. This is the way that I grew up. I didn't know anything about grace. Uh, I want you to know that's not the God of the Bible at all. The God of the Bible is not waiting to knock you out. Uh, the God God of the Bible is a God with his hands stretched out saying, Whosoever will, let them come and drink from the water of life. He told, I, he told Israel three times, even though he was mad at Israel, he wanted to give them a writing of divorcement. He said, Isaiah, you tell them, even though I'm mad, I'm upset, my hand is stretched out still. And the moment that they reach back to me, I will take them back because I love them with an agape kind of love that refuses to let go. I didn't grow up knowing all of that. I didn't grow up knowing about the grace of God that's there to help. I didn't grow up knowing, let me just tell you this, there's nobody in here, I'm not going to go back for a week, I'm just going to go back to yesterday. There's nobody in here that wants to put all their thoughts up on the wall for everybody to read that they had yesterday and this morning. Do you know why? It's because we have things in our heart that's not yet lined up with the Lord. And God understands that we are a mess, we're a wreck. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death, Paul would say. Because we all need some help. And I know I started with that, and it's something you come back tonight, you're probably going to hear me say it again. But we need some help when it comes to living for the Lord. So I felt this struggle. Who's right? Who's wrong, Sister Janie? How do we know who's right and who's wrong? And it sent me on a journey through the text. And you know what I learned? wasn't a little bit later that we, as far as Faith Worship Center, we had to step out and just become an independent church. 
The church is so big on preaching their denomination, they've got off of the gospel. The majority of the church is so big in preaching their baptism uh, formula that they've got off the gospel. They're so big in preaching their membership that they've got off the gospel. Televangelists want to preach to you how to get rich. They want to tell you how to get rich and people are dying and going to hell. I don't care how much money you got. It's not going to pay you out of hell, out of eternity. They want to tell you how to talk right and people are not even saved. They want to tell you, oh, just it's a feel good, feel good, feel good. Pat you on the back and go ahead. You want to feel good? Recognize you're a sinner. Find yourself an altar. Say, God, forgive me. There's no greater feeling in the world. No greater feeling. The church world as a whole is our greatest enemy because everybody wants to stand up and say, I'm right, they're wrong. I'm right, they're wrong. I'm right, they're wrong. Uh, let me tell you this morning, uh, I'm not here telling you I'm right and they're wrong. I'm here to tell you the Bible says, uh, let God be true and every man a liar. The truth is this, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, the truth is, for God so loved the world uh, that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe upon him will not perish but have everlasting life the truth is God came not to condemn the world but that the world might be saved the truth is anybody and everybody can be free from anything and everything justified by my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary the truth is God knew that we needed a little help, so he provided grace to flow upon our life. The truth is that God has not only offered to help, he's offered to change you that you would be a light in a dark world. The truth is God is a God of love, not a God that's trying to push you out. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you this morning, and he loves you enough. Listen, he's not give up on you yet. He's not give up on you yet. Well, you don't know where I've been. <laughs> I know where Jesus has been. You don't know what I've done. I know what Jesus has done. You don't know how far I went. Oh, but I know how far he went. He laid his life down. Let me just cut to the chase and tell you this, that unless what you have done is greater than dead and buried, you don't got a problem. You don't got a problem this morning. We don't have a problem. Now, and I had to come back. To preach in the simple gospel. What is truth? The truth is a man named Jesus Christ. The church has polluted that simple gospel for a long time. Living for God is not rules and regulations as the church will tell you. <laughs> Living for God is not law and legalism. Living for God is faith and grace. And if you believe right. Here's the thing. I don't got to give you a list of rules and regulations. If you believe right, what happens is that, you know everybody in here, you know what you've done today so far and what you're going to do the rest of the day? You're going to do exactly what you want to do. We do what we want. Well, what if you wanted to be about the work of God? Because living for God is about changing our desires. Little by little, he changes our desires to line up with his desires. The truth is, a simple gospel should never be complicated. God wants a relationship with each and every one of us. And that relationship stands available to whosoever will call upon the name of Jesus. Last but not least, and I'll hush. 
the greatest struggle possibly of Pilate. Probably the greatest struggle of the majority of people today. I'm not just going to say the church, but the people today. Pilate just didn't know what, he just didn't know what to do with Jesus. He didn't know what to do with Jesus. I just don't know what to do with Jesus. I know what I should do, but I don't really know what I'm going to do. Pilate found no fault in him. How would he? How do you find fault in a man that gave you eternal life available? How do you find fault in a man that loved you when you were not lovable? Can't find no fault there. You know, people want to pick apart everything's okay. You'll find, you'll find fault in anything of the world. But you're not going to find no fault in Jesus. The struggle was he was torn. Does he go with what he knows is right or does he please the crowd? I want you to see this. Just a few scriptures real quickly. Verse 29, 30 and 31. Watch this. Pilate then went out unto them and he said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said, If you, he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up to thee. In verse 31. Pilate, then Pilate said, or said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. And the Jews therefore said unto him, It's not lawful for us to put any man to death. Pilate didn't know what to do with him. They never even accused him. And when they said if he wasn't a malefactor, we wouldn't have brought him to him, that wasn't an accusation at all. So Pilate's thoughts is, what are you doing here? You got a law, go judge him according to the law. But they went a step further and said, no, our law doesn't per permit us to put him to death. Whoa, whoa, you wanting death? He didn't know what to do with that. He said, just go judge him according to your law. No, our law don't permit him to death. It was a struggle. Verses 38, 39, and 40, we read it, but I want to read it again. What is truth? When he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said unto them, I find no fault in him. Verse 39, you have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was... A robber. Now think about that. They'd rather have a robber? I, I don't mean to be unkind. Again, I'm just being plain and real. But nobody likes the actions of a thief. I'm not speaking ill because I, in my heart, I'll separate the thief from what he's doing. The Lord allow me to love them as an individual and offer them help. But I'm not going to be very friendly if I catch him stealing from me. You know what I mean? Got to love you to go to heaven. But I ain't got to let you take my hammer. Now put it down. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. We won't go. All right. I think we get the gist of it. You know, they wanted a robber. They wanted a man that had been stealing from them. Taking their earthly possessions. They was stealing from them. We don't want Jesus. We want this robber. They would rather have a robber. He's struggling. And in this struggle, he says, I tell you what, you want Jesus or do you want this robber? This man has stole all. They said, yeah, we'll take the robber. And again, Pilate is stumped. Watch this. Chapter 19, verse 7 and 8. He says this. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and by our law, he ought to die. Because he made himself the son of God. He didn't make himself the son of God. He was born the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid. The struggle got greater. He was more afraid. 
I don't know what I'm going to do about him. And then look at verse 12, and I'll quit. And from this forth, Pilate sought to release him. He still, Pilate is still trying to get a way to let him go. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. So Pilate was caught between the two, his struggle. Do you know the world will not silence just because you want to follow the Lord? <clears throat> Your friends are not going to let you go just because you said, I'm going to serve Jesus. Temptation, don't just quit because you want to serve Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching good. And all of a sudden, he's caught. And ultimately, he gave in. If we refer back to history, history said that again, he was at the end brought before Rome. And Rome took his position and cast him down as a peasant because he was, he done went further than what he needed to go. Didn't please him. So I want to ask you this morning. The struggle was real, and the struggle is real with us, with people today. Here's the question. I'm just about quit. What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? He's not just going to go away. So what do we do with Jesus? Is he just a thought in our mind, and we're satisfied because he's a thought in our mind, in the back of our mind? Am I going to put him off so I can please the world? Maybe come back later. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Or will I serve him? Well, I don't want to serve him because i got to give up too much. I want to tell you this morning. If you serve Jesus, you don't got to do anything. If you surrender your heart to him, you will want. Just as you serve in the world, because you want if you serve Jesus, you will want to serve him. See, the church world has made it about law and legalism. You got to do this. You got to dress like this. You got to be here then. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to. No, no. That's not Christianity. That's not serving Christ. Serving Christ is about me placing my faith in him and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. And then and only then, I have the working of the Holy Spirit that begins to change my heart from the desires of the world to his desires. I got to ask you this morning, what are you doing with Jesus? Is he put off to the side? Or is he somebody you're following? Is he somebody that you'll come back to later? Is he somebody that you want to lead your life today? Because the truth of the matter is, I've tried walking away. My mom and dad brought me upright. I tried to walk away. I was called to preach when I was 18 years old. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I run from it. I didn't run from it. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't tell nobody. I didn't know what to do with it. But I was having little visitations of the Lord in my home. I lived on the county line in a mobile home. And one night I had these visitations about all I could stand. And I found myself face first and said, God, I can't. I just can't. You know my life. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you can't, but I can't. And I will if you'll let me. So you've got to figure out what are we going to do with Jesus because if you've got any kind of knowledge at all of the Lord, no matter what you do in this life and in this world, you've got Jesus there on the heart's door saying, 
I'm still here. Oh, I still want to come in. I still love you. What you're doing is not right. Because <laughs> we either do that or we struggle. The struggle of Pilate is a struggle that we all have. And the struggle is real. And I don't know how much of a struggle it is in your life. But I come to give you a simple truth this morning. Just simple. What are you going to say now? How are you going to leave it? I'm going to leave it like this with truth. Jesus loves you enough that he went up Galgotha's hill, the place of the skull, and he laid his life down. He was crucified and he shed his blood. And he would have done it. And I want you to think about this, and I'm going to hush. I get three times. He would have done it if you were the only one. But do you know if you were the only one, you wouldn't be having, we, I say we, it's me too. We wouldn't be having the struggle that we're having today. What would be in the world to pull me? If I don't have somebody else to persuade me, if I was the only one born, I would run to Christ and say, yes, I don't want to die and be separated from you. I want you, which reveals our struggle. Our struggle is from our everyday life that we have built from the things of the world or to Jesus. So I got to ask you, what are you going to do with Jesus? Because truth is, you're going to do something with him. You're either going to put him off, or you're going to say, Lord, here am I. I'm going to serve you. I'm not putting you under law legalism. Christianity is not about that. This church is not about that. We're here. We're a bunch of people that understands that we're all in the need of a change, and we're here just to help one another. I need you, and you need me. And we'll, shoulder to shoulder, by the grace of God, we're going to make it. And little by little, we're going to be changed. But i got to ask you. What are you going to do with Jesus this morning? Would you stand with me all across the building? I want to ask you to bow your heads with me just in reverence to your neighbor and reverence to the Holy Spirit today. Father, I love you today. And I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and your love. Thank you, God. You didn't throw me away, God, when I wasn't worth having. I'm glad, thankful today, Lord, God, that you continue to mold and you continue to make. The only thing you don't do, God, is give up on me. Lord, we're a people this morning that is standing at your mercy, but you're a merciful God. We've not arrived. We're not perfect. There's people here today of a mixed multitude, God, those that are broke those that are confused, those that are hard-hearted, those that are humble. God, we all here, we all have our own struggle, but God, struggle we do. Oh, Lord, I call upon you this morning in the name of Jesus, and I'm just asking for you to move upon every single heart, every single heart, with the question, what am I going to do with Jesus? Will I surrender my life? Well, I let him stay at the door and knock. 
What will I do with Jesus? God, I pray you move upon our lives today. In the name of Jesus, I ask. Amen and amen. I want to ask you with your head still bowed, your eyes still closed very quickly. I won't take a lot of time. The thing that concerns me this morning, regardless of the struggle in your life, the thing that concerns me the most as a preacher, as a believer that loves God, is what exactly have we done with Jesus? Are we serving Him? Is He Lord over our life? Or have we ignored Him, left Him at the door? Because He's not going to go away. He's not going to leave. To any man that will open the door, oh, He'll come in and He'll die. And this morning, because in everybody in here, whether they would admit it or not, has been in the struggle between the two at some point in their life. What am I going to do with Jesus? And here's my question before I open altars up for people to pray. Here's my question. Through the week, I'm telling you the honest truth. I pray for people through the week. I don't wait till tomorrow. I'll be praying today. I may not know your name. I may not know exactly what you're going through. And just to be blunt, it's probably not any of my business. But I want to ask you a simple question. If you're here this morning, and you say, I can relate to the struggle. I'm having a struggle. And I want you, I honestly want you to pray for me when you pray that I would surrender my heart. All I'm asking you to do, nobody's looking around, this is private, between you and the Lord, except for me and Pastor Brian that's looking around and I ask him to do that because we want to remember hands and we want to pray for you. Say, I'm in a struggle and I want you to pray for me when you pray. Will you slip your hand up and write back down real quickly. Thank you, God, for that hand. That hand. Thank you, Lord, for these hands. Thank you, Lord, for this hand. Thank you, God, for this hand going up. Thank you, Lord, for this hand. Anybody else? I'm in a struggle, and I want you to pray for me when you pray. Would you raise your hand up and put it right back down? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want to pray for you through the week. My Lord. Anybody else? Real quickly, give you another opportunity. Slip your hand up and put it right back down. Hand up and right back down. Real quickly. Anybody? All right. I want to begin this way. Before I open the altars up, I promise you I pray, and I'm going to start praying right now. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I have no idea, God, Lord, what people are dealing with in their own heart. I don't know the struggle when they're all by themselves, Lord. I don't know the lies that the devil, the enemy has told them, God, and the power that he's pulling them with. But what I do know this morning, God, is that you refuse to let go. You refuse to cast them out, God. You refuse, God, to just push us off to the side. So right now, God, this morning, 
In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to move upon every heart that raised their head. God, that they would have the assurance that you love them, that you've not forgot about them, that you've not cast them away, God, that you're not through with them, Lord, but that you're still here with your hands stretched out. God, I pray this morning that they would surrender their heart. I pray this morning, God, that they would follow you, God, and experience the joy of, of, of living for you. God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus for you to do what I can't do, and that is to be with the individuals that raised their hand this morning and to help them. And we give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. And before we close, I want to open up the altar for just a moment. As Brother Jeff sings, plays what he feels. If you want to come, spend just a couple of minutes between you and the Lord and saying, God, help me with whatever it is, it's a good time to pray. Because you're in a church that loves you this morning. Somebody's going to come. They're going to lay their hand upon you. They're going to pray for you. They're going to ask God to help you, to strengthen you. The Bible says pray one for another, bear one another's burdens. That's why we're here today. If you're here this morning and you want to make your way up to the front and bow down and kneel down and pray, then we invite you to come. Come and pray with us. It's a good time to pray. It's a good time to call upon the name of the Lord. Maybe you want to pray right where you're at. That's fine. God will meet you wherever you're at. But we're going to invite you to come. Find yourself a place to pray. Can I get some folks to help me this morning? Help me pray one for another today. Come on, let's pray one for another. Come on, anybody else? You can find somebody. You can pray right where you're at. But it's a good time to pray. God, help me surrender. Lord, help me to surrender. Help me, God, to surrender my life to you, Lord. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Until my trophies at last I lay down Well, I will cling to the old
Come on, it's an old one. Sing it with him before we so dismiss. So I'll cherish, I'll cherish. Hallelujah. the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.